0: Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Priority is a matter of imminence, whereas need is a matter of prominence. In Backlog Prioritization, the priority of a task is subject to change as the project progresses. However, the need for the task or feature is not likely to change as often. In Agile, sprint planning can employ a variety of different prioritization methods. In this episode... We're going to talk about what it is to prioritize a product backlog, discussing several prioritization methods, and giving a few tips to use when planning your next project. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week?
1: Well, I have been cleaning up my LastPass account and trying to get everything organized. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it turns out that when you've got passwords from way back, like there's, there were some passwords in there that went back to my first job out of college nice. because I just moved stuff along and, you know, it was like, oh, I might need that again, or they might rehire me or I might, you know, because I was a lot of times I'll work for people after I've stopped working for them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because they,
1: you know, and so like I was finding passwords. I was like, I even, I forgot I even worked for those people. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and and so that was kind of that was kind of strange you know and and then there's also a couple of uh there were like a couple hundred local host passwords <laughs> because of the way LastPass does <laughs> stuff and like trying to go through those and go okay some of those i actually have to have yeah yeah and figuring out what that is is so that's the main thing i've done this week um yeah uh, it. It's been really sloppy, and but it's clean now. I can actually find things. Well, that's nice. Yeah, I've been putting this off for a couple of years. It's been on my to-do list since at least 2018. Yeah. Actually. So, so how about you?
0: I got the Rona, but she don't love me. Yeah, I might have been medicated when writing parts of this outline. I tested positive for COVID last week and have been in quarantine ever since. First several days weren't bad quarantine-wise because I barely got out of bed. Literally, it wore me out just to walk to the bathroom or to go to the kitchen and take medicine. Yeah, it wouldn't have been so bad if I had more energy. Yeah. You know, like I wasn't sick. because you know, I could have gotten stuff done. Instead, I pretty much slept most of the time. Um, when I was awake, I was just too weak to get much done. Apparently, though, I worked on some podcast stuff during my fever delirium. Uh, I deleted our in-progress folder in Dropbox, among other things. <laughs> um, <coughs> so if y'all saw some weird stuff from us the last couple of weeks. It was all him. Yeah, I, I'm sorry I have tried to catch it all, but, you know, yeah, I was I was medicated to trying to catch that, too, so I might have missed something. Got some stuff that I've been fighting at work to finally play nice. So one of those rare times where a 30-minute meeting solved a problem.
1: <laughs> As opposed to creating one?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually able to get on a call with the team supporting this third-party software and get the information I needed to solve my issue. That led to solving a problem that's been vexing us for several years. Wow. Yeah. Like I announced that in a meeting this morning and like director level people were excited, like woohooing in the meeting. Nice. Yeah. So that was, that was really cool. Like when upper management is excited about something that, that you were able to get done. So that was that was really nice. Um honestly other than that, uh I've worked the last few days, um, uh, but I haven't been doing much this past week. I spent most of it sleeping, um, or watching TV or reading, because I just really didn't have the energy to do anything else. Like I really wanted to do some cleaning. I still need to finish organizing my bookshelves. I just haven't had the energy to do anything. Like I cooked food last night and that was a big deal.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how, like, we never got a positive test, but we kind of wondered if we had it because we were, it, it felt like having mono. Yeah. There was nothing in the tank. I mean, like, it's it's unusual for me to not code for two or three days in a row. And there were like five or six there in a row.
0: Yeah, I, I totally get that. We got a, a couple of shout outs for Patreon. We have a, a returning patron. John, welcome back. Uh, we're glad to have you back in the fold. Guys, we, we really understand, you know, everybody has their own situations. And, you know, it helps us out a lot that uh, that you guys donate every month and stuff. But we also understand, hey, you know, we donate to, to people in groups, too. And so we understand sometimes, you know, you have to step away and come back. We're just glad to have you back, man.
1: Thanks for coming back. Yeah, and we've also got a new patron. That's uh, Michael. Yep.
0: Yeah. So Michael, welcome. Uh, we're we're glad to have you have you here with us too, guys. Your product backlog is the list of tasks, features, or items for your team to complete on a particular project or product. This could be on a new application you are building, one in which you're actively improving and adding new features or even a maintenance backlog of tickets that need to be completed. You may have one large backlog for the entire organization or multiple backlogs, one for each product you support or a building. However your organization is set up, you will need to know what items to work on next from your list.
1: Prioritization allows you to place items in a ranked order in your backlog so that you know which ones are the most important and which ones you need to do next. There are several different systems for prioritization from flat-out ranking, you know, it's one, two, three, to placing items in categories to much more complex scoring systems. Choosing the right system for you and your team can be kind of daunting, and you want to make sure that you get the best results so that you put your effort to the right tasks to suit your customers' needs.
0: So in this episode... We're going to start off with a discussion of prioritization and why you want to prioritize your backlog. Then we'll spend probably the bulk of our time looking at various prioritization techniques available for your team to implement. And lastly, we'll cover a few tips on how to improve your process when prioritizing your backlog. Lucas Casares is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado.
1: And just like us, he focuses on helping you to not only establish a real plan, but also to be able to take action on your plan so that you can create the best life for yourself.
0: Yeah, a lot of people may think they are too young too new to the field, um, don't have enough money or investments or that it's too expensive to use a financial planner. But Level Up has a very unique pricing model. And yeah, it is expensive, but the payoff is exponentially more than what you put into it.
1: Yeah, and Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. So when you're putting money in, you're you're actually buying good advice. You're not buying sales, essentially. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's, he's not there to sell you a product, but to help guide you toward a better financial situation. In other words, he's an advisor, not a salesperson.
0: So guys, you can find some fun, free resources and learn a lot more at levelupfinancialplanning.com.
1: So let's talk about why you need to
0: prioritize. To do that, we'll, we'll start off with talking about what is prioritization. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. An ideal
1: product backlog is a list of all the product-related tasks that need to be completed. This includes only the tasks needed to be done to complete a project or product and nothing else. And right there is the first thing that you're going to run into, right? Yeah. Because in the real world, product (laughs) backlogs are rarely so well-defined as to know exactly what needs to be done to complete a project. Project goals are going to shift other products may come on the market. The customer may want something not originally discussed. You may find bugs. You may find, I mean like all kinds of stuff goes in there. It's not a list so much as it is a sliding frame of sorrow.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, And if you're not careful, we've had episodes in the past about scope creep, but there's, there's a thing called backlog creep and it's, it's where like, the, the scope of the project overall creeps because the backlog is shifting right, and not well-maintained. These first two two points here under what is prioritizing, really what we're getting at is what your ideal is. What you want is a backlog that only has the things that you need to do in it in order of when you need to do them. Most people don't think that way I would say almost everyone doesn't think that way. Um, there might be a few strange people out there who, um, you know, for some reason are slumming it as scrum masters and, you know, can organize like that. And so
1: you're <laughs> basically, this is a call for those people to email beach, um, <laughs> not me, you uh, know, put his name in the email to uh, Nick neckbeard's, at complete developer podcast. <laughs> He'll open it. <laughs> will be my problem. So <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you want to prioritize and cut that bloat and focus on the important tasks. And this is harder than uh, it might seem at first blush. Like if you've, if you've ever done a really complex project, this isn't going to be a surprise to you. But when you've done small stuff and you've had a little to-do list, it's not so hard. But when that to-do list has items on it that are five years old, that you don't know anybody at the company that knows anybody at the company that knew the person that wrote it. That's a whole nother thing.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Notice how oddly specific my examples are.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I knew uh, Will would have a lot of, a lot of stuff to say about this. Good grief. I have a lot of stuff to say about this and you know, I haven't been in the industry half as long as he has. So, but yeah, it's, I, I've seen, even in my time, I've worked on teams where the backlog was really well-maintained.
1: Yeah, mine is at work.
0: Yeah, and then I've also been on teams where it wasn't. I was on one team where, actually, I think it was my first job. Yeah, it was a, the first project I worked on at my first job outside of apprenticing with Will. It, uh, We came in and we'd spent probably about six months about six months working on this and we had one sprint of work left. And then there was a, another team who uh, had a developer leave. And so it was like right before the holidays, they pulled me to help that team finish up. The other people did other work and stuff like that. And then we were going to come back after the holidays, wrap up one sprint and be done. Well, right before all this happened, our Scrum Master got promotion. And so we hired a new Scrum Master, came in, no changes. It's like, all right, you guys are almost done with this. We're good. And then we come back after the holidays. And what had been three weeks of work was now like 30 tasks. Yep. (laughs) You know, it was like three months of work. And we're like, what happened? And we like the development team got like I I remember management saying something to us about it. We're like, "Uh, when we left, there were five tasks and now there's 30. What what happened? And it was because, well, not so much prioritization, but the new scrum master came in and was learning about the project. And found out that, oh, hey, there's all this stuff that, you know, our product owner who worked in one specific area of it didn't know about. And it was like, oh, hey, they're using this and this and this. And we need this and this. And it just kept getting built up, which isn't a problem, except that the person didn't say anything to the team. So we came back expecting (laughs) one sprint and we're like, we can't do this in one sprint. And then management is mad at us because we We're we behind that. now. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, none of this was on there before.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like you didn't cross the river. The river crossed you. <laughs> you know? It's a totally different experience. to get drowned.
0: <laughs> it's called being drowned. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, and my backlog experiences, um, two or three years ago, I worked on a team where I had to go round and round with somebody because there was a, there was a bug that I wanted to close. And I finally was like, look, I'm 100% sure we can close this. And they go, why? And I said, well, because it says it's not compatible with Netscape. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it's it's like that. I don't know how this bug is still here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> These things grow over time. And it's, it's like, it's like a need to do list. Like if you're honest and you list out all the stuff that you've got to do, every day and you have a system that you keep it in. Cause I have this too.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You'll have stuff in there that you haven't looked at in a year and you're like, yeah, I probably should do that, but it's just, you're never going to do it. And it just sits there taking up mental space and bites essentially.
0: Yeah. On top of identifying and ranking core features of a product, you know, the things that you have to have to get it working. uh, Another thing that prioritization does is it helps to identify features that may not be necessary for basic functionality, but are ones desired by the customer. And this was what what we ran into on that, that first project I ever worked on, where it was, we had all the core features there, but most of it, honestly, most of it was report writing and stuff, but there was a lot of stuff, like a lot of small things that the customer needed to do their job. Right. Like, that were oh yeah, this is needed once a quarter or once a year that just weren't in the mindset of this is the basic functionality. And so those were a lot of the things that we had to do to get that up and running. So
1: Yeah, there's a lot of benefits to prioritizing. Prioritizing helps the team understand what is actually important to the client and to have it in order means that when the client comes up with something else, you figure out where it goes instead of just stuffing it somewhere that you forget about it
0: if the client isn't involved though features that are not important or not needed may get built before ones that are critical to what the client's doing
1: yeah they almost certainly will
0: and i've i've seen this happen too where they were involved at the beginning and then not as involved as they should have been that's a little bit on the development you know the the scrum team not involving them and on them not being available, sort of a little bit of both. But yeah, like, and then what, what ends up happening is you have an understanding of here's what the project, like, here's what we're building for them. And then they get it and they're like, yeah, but it doesn't do these things that I need to do my job.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's an awful feeling too, because usually there's a bill with that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember I, uh, I went in this might have been back when we were doing consulting. I can't remember exactly where, but I remember walking into a meeting and it was like my first time talking to the customer. And I just said, All right, I had some questions and he was kind of being unsure about stuff, I guess, because the previous developers or or whoever he had talked to had sort of been that uh you know that that know it all developer type is like This is, I shouldn't be in this kind of a meeting. It's not really a type. It's there's, it's an array of instances. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway, no, I just, I went in and I was like, look, I I need this information because what I'm doing here, my goal is to make your job easier. This, this software, this thing that we're building is designed to make your job easier. If it's not going to make your job easier, then it's not functioning right and we're not building the right thing. So this is the information I need to find out if we're even going the right direction. And like it was funny because you just saw the like in his eyes the hey they're they're actually like wanting my input and like on my side on this and it's just like this whole change in demeanor the meeting completely changed when when that happened.
1: Yeah, I think that's something a lot of developers don't really get is how we are perceived when we show up. Yeah. And prioritization will help with that because now the people have enough time to communicate with you to actually understand where you're coming from and vice versa. Prioritized backlogs also allow the team to manage dependencies so that they're built in order and remove obstacles before they impede work. Um, I actually had a problem with this fairly recently where three different teams the same day decided that they needed to build a service to do the same thing. Yeah. And you talk about awkward because everybody's blocked until that's done. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that got messed up in the you know, the end of the year shuffle. And you really want to avoid that because otherwise you have people that are working either on lower priority tasks or not working at all
0: mm-hmm.
1: until something's done.
0: Time is also saved in your planning meetings, especially if you're doing Scrum and doing. Uh, you have tons of meetings, because your next sprint is based on the top priorities. You know, or it could potentially be filling in space based on capacity. So, like, if your top priorities are all large items, you might be able to take on two large items, and then you go down some to find a medium or a small sized item to fill in the the extra space there. But yeah, you save a lot of time because when your backlog is prioritized, you know already what's coming up, what you need to be working on next.
1: Yeah, it's also really handy when you have a developer that leaves. Suddenly, or you know, like you didn't know that they were leaving because your boss's boss fired them because he was having a bad day, and you've got to rework the backlog now and try to stay productive. If that stuff isn't sorted, that just costs you hours and hours of time. Yeah, been there, done that more than once. It's also really handy to know what stories are coming next. So, like, if there's extra capacity in the sprint, you can kind of tell which stories might be good to pull in.
0: More likely, though you're going to run into a case where someone gets sick. I mean, I was out for three days uh, the other last week Um, or someone like Will said gets fired randomly. And so you know how to reduce your capacity. So knowing the importance of each story means, you know, which ones you can remove from a sprint when your capacity is reduced. So finally under kind of why prioritize A few pitfalls. So before we get into the techniques, we want to go over a few of the things to avoid when you're prioritizing.
1: Yeah. And so the first one is prioritization methods that don't make sense to the team. So if you don't have a specific method, it can lead to the product owner or scrum master assigning priority based on whim or based on what they think is important. Or uh, my favorite is always, I got a call about this this morning. So everything else is lower priority. Yeah. Yeah. And then tomorrow morning they get a different call.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of this was back when I was in junior high, I think. We did Bible bowl with church. And it was before I was the team captain. And the the girl who was team captain, she uh it was basically your group goes into a classroom and you take a test together. That was right. A weird way of doing a Bible bowl. But anyway, and so She was the one who wrote. Well, read the question, team discusses it, write down the answer the team agrees on. If she thought the team was wrong, she would just write down what the answer she thought was right. Yeah. And that's what that reminds me of. I remember when I took over, my attitude was, if y'all don't believe me, I'll show you how wrong you are by writing down the wrong answer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you were like, writing down your answer.
0: Your answer, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know what's funny is when the group didn't agree with me, most of the time they were right.
1: <laughs> it's funny how that works.
0: Yeah, I know, I know, you know. It's, you know, anyway.
1: And another fun one is when dependencies don't get considered um, when you prioritize. So, like, you have a high-priority task that depends on a lower-priority task that isn't built yet. And you know, this can happen when there is a project manager who doesn't understand what the developers are doing or you yeah. know how the pieces fit together. You know, my favorite is is well, I can manage a development team. Okay, when's the last time you wrote code? They'll either say never or, well, I did stuff on a Vax in 1986. Yeah. Like, dude, that doesn't count.
0: <laughs> the best project managers I have worked with have been the ones who will get with the development team and just be like, Hey, so here's what I'm thinking. What's your thoughts on this? Or, you know, like works really uh, like the project manager I'm working with now is great because like he doesn't make any decisions or anything like that without consulting the whole team
1: right and those are those are the best they don't necessarily have to be a coder first it helps because it makes it easier to explain but it's not absolutely necessary it also means that they tend to have more inherently decent decisions based off of what's you know going on they know that you know you can't use an enterprise service bus if you don't have one and that's a, you know a lower priority task and this thing needs it for scaling or whatever
0: Another one, and we've kind of hit on this, so we'll go briefly, but uh, customers are not involved at all in the prioritization process. You know, this leads to kind of an internal only view of the project so that the actual users aren't involved in what's being created.
1: Yeah, I've noticed that a lot when you're um, doing something external for a government entity and you got people that have never worked in a government environment writing the code. And so they have perceptions of how things get done that are you know trivially provable to be inaccurate, and they don't know. um Another thing that can be a problem is when there are too many items in the backlog that are of low priority. Um, a lot of times these slip through the cracks and the product owner just doesn't know how they even made it into the backlog, but they're afraid to to delete it and this has happened a lot. This actually happens with my personal backlog too, right? Like you're looking for stuff and you're like, "Ah, I've got all this stuff I gotta do." That's definitely probably one of the worst challenges for teams. honestly, I, I feel like development teams probably don't need to have the backlog completely visible to them for this reason.
0: yeah, that's true. all right, so guys, now we're going to get into some prioritization techniques. and we have a a handful of these, and they're you know they're they're pretty different, some of them are kind of similar, and so we'll we'll talk about each one. Uh, the first one is stack ranking.
1: Yeah, and that's basically each item in the backlog is placed in a ranked order, you know, first, second, third, fourth, 527th. And when you select a task to complete, you start at the first one and you work your way down.
0: Yeah. This works well with like a Kanban. Yeah. Kind of approach where it's just like, here's the ordered list of tasks. You just grab the next one and go down. Or I guess the next one you can do because you know, if it's a CSS task, Will might want to skip that one and move to the next one.
1: Yeah, if if it's a CSS task, Will's moving the card,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> changing the audit trail. <laughs> yeah, was gonna go ahead and say,
0: yeah. Uh, items can be prioritized in relation to other items in the backlog, and this helps to reduce confusion because. Uh, Especially, you know, we were talking about dependencies earlier. Well, with this, you can make sure that your things that depend on others, the, the dependencies are in order so that you're building them in such a way that you're not going to build something and have it depend on something that hasn't been built yet.
1: Yeah. And this works better for smaller projects or backlogs or subsets of a larger backlog. It gets really cumbersome when you have a big backlog. Um, It's also got another interesting problem, too, because you're basically saying your prioritization, you're taking that down to a single variable when it's probably multivariate.
0: Yeah. The thing about that, though, is the absolute value assessment means that there's only one top item in the backlog, and that completely removes the chance for everything being high-priority. Yeah,
1: Uh, I used to be optimistic like you before I took a uh, stack ranked backlog in the knee. (laughs) Stack ranking can also cause troubles when you are dealing with dependencies between tasks because you have to know the dependencies up front and build the tasks in a particular order. It's also a lot of fun when they're interdependent and they're poorly broken down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are my
0: favorite. It can help with those dependencies because, you know, you can put, if you do it right, you can put them in order so that it, it doesn't cause problems. But figuring out that order, you, it's almost got to be a little bit of a waterfall just to understand what all is coming.
1: Yeah. And it's, it gets tricky a lot faster than you think. Yeah. Now the next one is the ice scoring method. Uh, ICE was created by Sean Ellis as a way to prioritize growth experiments. However, it's come to be a popular method of prioritization for any project.
0: Yeah. So ICE is an acronym that stands for Impact, Confidence, and Ease. Each one gets its own numeric score uh, compared to other items in the backlog.
1: Impact asks the question of how impactful the feature will be in the overall application or project.
0: Now. Yeah. What what that's asking is, like, how big of an impact is this feature going to have? Like, how, how far is it going to move the needle? How much money is it going to make? You know, is this something that we can sell as an extra? Is this something that, you know, we have to have for the product to even work at all?
1: Yeah, or is it a gold plating, you know, done by developers or marketing or some other department that doesn't do anything for us? Mm-hmm. Confidence asks: How confident are we that the feature will prove that hypothesis? Or in software development, how confident are we that the feature will solve the problem that needs to be solved? So you might say, "Okay, this will solve the problem," and half of your dev team goes, "No, it won't."
0: Now remember this: this comes from growth experiments. So we're looking at you know scientific method, confidence in your hypothesis here. But the idea here is like: How confident are you that this is going to actually? solve the problem we're setting out to solve, or this is actually going to provide the functionality that it says it's going to provide. And then uh, the last one, Ease, asks how easily it is it to move from initial development to launching the feature? Like, you know, how easy is this going to be to build? Like, Is this something that's going to take one developer half an hour to throw together a script and boom, it's done? Or is this going to take you know, a team of Google engineers 10 years.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, you could also use the inverse rule for that, right? And say, how important does Elon Musk think this is? (laughs) 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 Because if he thinks it's important, you probably don't need to be touching that in your dev team. (laughs) Just throw that out there. (laughs) Yeah, the three scores are then multiplied together to form the total ICE score. This is used to rate the backlog and determine which features are the most valuable. Yeah. So, again, it's, you know, three variables.
0: Yeah. The three variables multiplied together create the score. And then that score is kind of ranked. So, you may have each of the three is, say, 10 points, like, you know, one through 10. So, you may have multiple at various places. You know, you may have. You know, several that are all at thirty.
1: I can see this actually working pretty well too. If you can say, okay, I'm I'm sorting by the ice score, and then
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm looking for the easiest things. Yeah, or I'm looking for the things I'm most confident. You know, because of the state of your team, or the state of the business, or whatever. I can see that working pretty well, mm-hmm. and it's also doable by a SQL query, <laughs> which is helpful. Um, true. Yeah.
0: All right, so the next one is what got this entire thing started. It was actually the card on our Kanban board was was this. And as I started researching it, I was like, oh, that might be half an episode. It's not really enough material there for a full episode. And as I started developing the idea more, it became a, hey, let's look at just backlog prioritization in general. And that is the Moscow technique.
1: So there's a data scientist named Dia Clegg who created the Moscow method of prioritizing tasks based on his work in agile software development. It's an acronym for four criteria for prioritization. Must have, should have, could have, and won't have.
0: Yes, and this has nothing to do with Russia, by the way. Right. (laughs) But I thought Will would appreciate the... uh, the technique name. Um, I forget what I was doing when I ran across it, but I ran across the, the name and I was like, Ooh, that's cool. We should do an episode on it because it'll be fun. And this is the episode that came out of that initial, Ooh, that's a cool name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you guys ever wondered how we come up with episode ideas, this is it.
1: Yeah. So Well, there'll be more material to help them with that later as well. But
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> must have criteria are the features and items that your project must have in order to function. Not having one of these items is going to delay deployment of the application. These are your non-negotiable things. Like the, there's not a workaround like you have to have these. You can't code around it. You can't hack around it. You can't like fake it. You have to have it.
1: Like, PCI compliance if you're doing credit card processing in the U S
0: yes. Or what I put in here is will wishes more dev shops put dark mode in the must have criteria.
1: Yeah. I would say it should have, (laughs) Um, but I mean it is an accessibility thing like it.
0: Yeah.
1: There's some legit, you know, it's not an accessibility thing for me. It's a very strong personal preference.
0: I know I'm, I'm I'm, It's a joke (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. based on how much you, you, you want that should
1: have criteria are important to the functioning of the application, but are not absolutely essential or absolutely vital for its functionality. They're necessary, but can wait as a workaround can be built or put into place until the item is developed. Most of your developer tools will put dark mode here because they have a whole lot of people like me that are going to raise cane about it.
0: Yeah, um, But for a lot of them, there's workarounds right. for it. Like, you know, you can have, dark mode in your browser. That, <laughs> yeah. yeah use, you use different environment, like stuff like that. There's, there's workarounds for that. So the should have criteria. These are the things that they, they may not be in your very first release, but they're going to be in like version 1.1 or something.
1: Yeah. This would be like mobile friendly was about 2013, 2014. Yeah. Before desktop compatible switch places with it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's true. It's very yeah. true.
1: Could have criteria are the items that are not essential nor important. Uh these are desired features that are not critical to the application's functionality. Beige again says, "Hey, other apps put dark mode here, like SQL freaking server management studio, yeah. which I don't open anymore." <laughs> because of that, but uh
0: Yeah, these are these are the features that, you know, it'd be nice to have. It'd be like, you know, hey, it'd be really cool if we could do that. But, you know... Uh, like if I could might be cleanly
1: like, clear the terminal in VS Code.
0: Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. So the the final one won't have criteria are ones that will not be in the current release. They may still be considered important to the project, but they're reserved for a future release. They're not critical. They They don't have to be there. It's just, it'll come eventually and microsoft office team tends to put dark mode here
1: yeah and the linux team puts uh, nvidia support there i'm kidding i'm kidding
0: <laughs> not I was, really I, as soon as you said linux i knew exactly where you were going with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> come on guys no it's nvidia's fault it's not linux um Each item in a product backlog is placed into one of these categories. The sprint backlog is then taken from the top categories to fit into the sprint. So this is sort of like the middle of our Kanban board when we break down our our episode ideas. We have something kind of similar to this going on with fewer categories.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Now, another model that is similar to, to Moscow, but kind of has a little bit of a different focus, is the Kano model. And that's the um, guy
1: that lived with OJ, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> when when I was doing this, I saw I read a couple of articles that compared and contrasted the Moscow and the Kano. So whereas the Moscow technique is more product driven and like the product owner, the product, you know, project manager kind of has control of that, the Kano model is more of a market driven approach to prioritization.
1: Yeah, and it derives its name from Professor Noriaki Kano, who created it in the 1980s. Um, The backlog items are categorized based on the needs and expectations of the end user. And there are several variations of this model. The original uses five categories, must be attractive, one-dimensional, indifferent, and reverse.
0: So you're going to hear some similarity just because prioritization is prioritization. But each of these models that we're talking about are ways of conceptualizing that.
1: Yeah, and giving different levels of granularity to it, too. So, for instance, this one has the must-be features. That's equivalent to your must-have criteria. The same kind of thing applies. They have to be built in the product for the function to be there. Uh, As expected, they're not big upsells or big wow features. That's just literally, this is a functioning product.
0: Yeah, so... Attractive features are the ones that make the customer happy when they're included, but the customer isn't disappointed if they're not there. These are your big wow features. These are your window dressing for the application. Yeah. This is like that thing I was talking about um, earlier that I got working that made everybody, including like upper management, excited because it's something that we haven't been able to do. Like that's been vexing us for years. And yeah. this was one of the things they're like, we would really, really like to have like to fix this in what you're building. And I was like, all right, well, we'll we'll try. But it wasn't core to functionality. It's just one of those things that oh my goodness, did it make them very happy.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, this <laughs> is kind of your product differentiator too, right? Yeah. In in, in your market. Now you also have one dimensional. Features And these are attractive in that the customer is happy when they're there, but they're also very not happy when those features aren't there. The difference between these and must-be features is that the basic functionality of the application is not hindered by you know the lack of these features.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I would put dark mode here for Will. Yeah, or, this or like that... a text
1: editor that doesn't have autosave. Yeah. Like a lot of people are going to be upset about that. But it still works.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good way of putting it. And then you have indifferent features or backlog items that are ones that don't affect customer satisfaction whatsoever. Uh, these may be things like boilerplate um, or setup items. They can even be refactoring that will make code easier to read and maintain, but not directly affect user experience. Like I did some of this this afternoon. I got the The code working. I said, "Hey, I'm going to spend the afternoon doing some some code cleanup," is what I called it. But it was basically I spent about an hour or so throwing in some comments, cleaning up some stuff that was like, "Oh, hey, here's where I was testing this out. I need to remove that." And like, because nothing points to it anymore, it was just a a dead end path for me to track why it wasn't working. That kind of stuff, right? You know, just cleaning that sort of thing up. The the customer, they don't care, but they also understand because our customer, thankfully, is a developer, well, a former developer who understands, hey, you know, this is going to make it easier for them to maintain in the future when I want to add stuff to it.
1: Yeah. And the final one is the reverse features. These make the customer unhappy when they're there and happy when they're not there. And this one's also kind of interesting because it's not the same across all customers. So, you know, the example Beach has here is, you know, two-factor secure login, right? Like you get a developer, they're going to want that. You get a guy that's using your tool to manage his wheat field, he probably doesn't want two-factor authentication. He didn't want to have to fiddle with a phone out there with poor reception and all this other stuff going on. And he's going to be angry that that's there and it's going to make the product less valuable to him. So you do have to know your customer on these. And I've also seen this with software that was great for enterprise type environments. And then you put it in a small shop and people spend more time trying to get around the problems because they don't fit the model, essentially. So,
0: yeah. All right, guys. So now we're going to get into some tips for prioritization.
1: Yeah. The first is, is that you have to adopt or develop a way to categorize or group the items in your backlog and do it consistently.
0: Breaking down the prioritization process starts with creating categories to place tasks. I mean, most of, I say most of, we, we only got to three of them, but um, like four of them, I should say. But the two of the four we talked about uh, earlier were, two of the four methods were breaking it down into categories. The idea is to quickly be able to chunk tasks into these categories for organizations.
1: Yeah, I mean categories can be things like task size, you know, small, medium, large. Priority, you know, low, medium, high. Try not to have both of those mediums on the same, because <laughs> 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 then people will be confused. Well, actually,
0: if if Will had read the words correctly, it's high second level and low. I know, but I ad lib. You know this. I I, I know, but there's a reason that second level is important. That word is <laughs> yeah.
1: There. I mean, that's why I brought it, it up.
0: Literally um, comes up later in the in the outline. So
1: ah. Well, if I'd have read it, if I'd
0: prioritized appropriately
1: <laughs> before <laughs> this episode, <laughs> uh, you know, I still wouldn't have remembered it, to be honest. That's true. Um, and then there's also the levels of need. You must have, want to have, nice to have. They can even be things like requirement status, you know, refined, not refined, not started. And my personal backlog has all these.
0: I Yeah, I have seen uh, a team as one I, I stepped in on. And like they brought me in to help this is after I got my scrum master, but they brought me in to, to help kind of get the team back on track. And they were literally taking on stories. This is a scrum team taking on stories that had not even been started. Like there was just a name, a title for the story, and there were no criteria in there whatsoever.
1: Those are the best ones. <laughs> <laughs> There's no acceptance criteria. You always win.
0: except except when you lose and then you always lose which is what was happening with this team and so we we got them on track and stuff and explained hey you know you can't be writing the acceptance criteria while you're trying to develop it it's that needs to come first like there's a process here and got them working and like they they went from being the like least performing team to one of the best performing teams in a matter of two sprints just with that one thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny how a little bit of discipline here will pay off. You know, your tasks can also fit into multiple categories, which makes this uh, interesting and complex in some ways. Uh, you're you're going to have high priority tasks of all sizes and stages of refinement. However, if you're going to have a low priority must have task, you probably need to consider that it's either high priority or it isn't a must-have.
0: Yeah. And that that also depends on how your priority is being set because, uh, like we said at the beginning of the episode, priority changes. So what is low priority this sprint, maybe high priority next sprint.
1: Or it's based off of the audience to whom it's a priority. So you might have a situation where management says, this task is... A must have, and the developers say it's low priority because the developers are looking at how the development workflow works and the managers are looking at how it goes to market.
0: Yeah. At the beginning of a brand new product or project, a must have is going to be some type of reporting, but that's going to be low priority at the beginning of the project because you got nothing to report on. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations.
1: Here's a blank Telerik report. Have
0: a nice day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Once you have your categories, you can quickly place tasks into them and organize your backlog by category. For example, you may choose to organize by need and then filter by status followed by size. This would give you a catalog where the top items are must have tasks that are refined And the largest pieces of work, because we all know Will's a large piece of work. Sorry, I couldn't help it.
1: (laughs) That's what they all say about me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, take that. The tasks at the top of your backlog will be the ones you pull into your next sprint. You may find that you pull up a second level must-have because it's smaller and you don't have any small high-priority must-haves. So understand that these levels are a little bit fuzzier because of your decisions that you have to make on the ground.
0: So the next tip is remove tasks that are below second level priority from your backlog,
1: please.
0: This is, this is why I said we need to say second level there because this is, yeah, this is what we're talking about. You have like the, the top priority, second level priority, and then everything else. This is a way of keeping the focus on what is important and not falling into bike shedding.
1: Yeah, removing the lower priority tasks from your backlog will keep the team from losing focus on what is important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The idea here is to make your product backlog as lean as possible while still getting the essential tasks and features needed to build an actual working product.
0: Yeah. This also applies to categories like need. You know, don't have anything below the want level. However, it doesn't apply to all categories. You know, you may have some very small but very important tasks in there.
1: Yeah, it's you know, it, it's an interesting uh, game that you have to play with the task prioritization. One of the things I've seen work well is actually, like I said, where different teams come up with different things and then they discuss them. Kind of like sprint planning, yeah. but you're doing it a step back. Otherwise, this gets pretty gnarly.
0: Now for the lower priority tasks or needs, build a secondary backlog or just a list of ideas. You know, this may be feature requests that aren't essential to the initial product or placeholders for ideas that come up or for future releases. You don't want to throw away ideas because they're not the most essential or most important right now. They may be, You know, you you may have the next million dollar idea just waiting to be developed. It's just not a priority on the project you're working on right now.
1: Yeah, or you may not have just let it cook long enough, honestly. Um, On the same note, ideas that come up during brainstorming sessions should not be tossed away just because they don't relate to the current project. Keep track of ideas that you have working on this project for your next one. That's what we do with the podcast, by the way. Like the reason we have what, a six year backlog or seven year, I forget
0: That's about six and a half right now, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, and I have I still have to fill some in, too. Um, I've never gotten back around to it. But, I mean, we could literally not come up with another idea for years and still have content. Um, And it's because we don't throw things away. We put them on the backlog, and we find that they tend to ferment, and they make better ideas, even if they were crap when we threw them in there.
0: Next, develop or adopt a system for allocating resources to each item in the backlog.
1: Yeah, each task should have an estimate on how much work it will take to complete. Uh, This could be an altered Fibonacci sequence, kind of like in Scrum, or just directly assigning the number of hours it will take a developer to accomplish this task. Yeah. I prefer the former. Really? Because the latter's always a lie. Yeah, I mean, do the Fibonacci sequence and just go, hey, is this is a one, this is a five for relative sizes.
0: That works when everybody understands the concept.
1: Yeah, well, you, you don't keep people around that can't um that's cuz that's not the only problem well, they
0: cause developers aren't the only ones to consider when determining resources either code review and any other types of processes need to be considered here you know some tasks will also require operations or devops to help with the setup uh, i had to involve operations today for for some stuff because we're starting a new project and it was like hey we we got the code ready to to push out onto the server to test integration and got to get involved with operations for that. Yep. You know, most of your projects will need to go through some sort of QA process. Hopefully you have a QA process and maybe even a separate QA on your team. Not have Microsoft. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Glad you're listening. Uh, (laughs) Kidding, but not that much. Uh, And the other thing, too, is like documentation, you know, knowledge base articles like there's some stuff that you can roll out that's very easy code wise that is awful for other departments. Yeah. And when you estimate time, lean towards overestimation. Uh, There's always going to be something that you don't expect. If you get a task done in less time than you expected, you look like a hero. But if you take longer, you look like a zero you need to kind of be the hero that your team deserves and overestimate. I think you wrote this with medication. <laughs> <laughs> I think I found the line. <laughs> Maybe after watching Batman uh, or Star Trek, I was thinking Scotty because that's always what he did. He sandbagged the estimates.
0: Oh, I was referring to the, the hero your team deserves oh. line, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh <laughs> The other thing to remember under this one is developers aren't inter- interchangeable cogs, no matter how much some places want to have a fully cross functional team. I mean, it's really cool if you can hop in and help out. Um, the thing is, we each have strengths in some areas and weaknesses in others. Uh, we also have different areas of interest and will work and want to work in specific areas or have more knowledge in some areas on that note, don't expect the system you use to be perfect at estimating what any one developer can do on any task. So guys, the the last one we're going to talk about quickly here is reprioritize your backlog on a scheduled regular basis.
1: Yeah. Your backlog is a lot like your code in that it's going to change as the project evolves and grows. And items at the top of the backlog will be moving off with each sprint, and the ones further down will get moved up towards the top of the backlog. Sometimes this doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, as you go through further refinement, previously unprioritized tasks will now have a place in your backlog. Uh, they may even bump some tasks down on the priority list. You know, as you go along, you may learn more talking to your customers and go, "Oh, hey." this is a big part of their business, but this other thing that they initially started talking about because that's, you know, they just finished doing this annual report. So that's what they were really talking about a lot when we started working on this. It's not really that big a priority. It, it can wait. The thing they do once a month needs to be out there first. And so you'll that will come up as you go along.
1: Yeah, and another uh, useful thing too is to try to keep the top section of the backlog fairly stable as far as what's expected there. It's it shouldn't be changing much from being refined. Right? Like if it's getting close to being pulled into a sprint, like you should be done fleshing this out. Either that either you finish fleshing it out or you move it down. Because you don't want a team to take a half baked idea and implement it. That does not go well. Sometimes though you get emerging needs that require tasks to be placed at the top and it may not be completely figured out. But that should be the exception, not the rule.
0: This includes occasionally reviewing and reordering the low priority list. So if you remember where we talked about removing anything below second level priority a few points back, you still need to go back and review this occasionally. Not every time you review your backlog, not every time you you prioritize, but you know, Maybe once every three or four sprints, go back and look at that and go, hey, these are actually things that we need to pull in. Uh, Most likely, if you find out, hey, something needs to be pulled in, it's going to be something that you're going to go, oh, hey, we need to pull this off the idea list and put it into the actual backlog. So, guys, planning, refinement and prioritization are not the most fun parts of being a developer. Let's be honest. However, they are crucial to being an effective one when it comes to working on larger projects for customers other than ourselves. When a backlog is well prioritized, it is easy to step into a team and know what needs to be done next, as well as where the project is headed. Understanding the process behind prioritization of a backlog gives insights into the working of product owners and stakeholders. And by knowing what they value, you as a developer can influence them to get the tasks that are important to you moved up in priority. That's pretty much all we got before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the trade? Well,
1: it's just something I observed watching interactions on Facebook because, you know, everybody likes to watch a burning dumpster fire every once in a while. And I saw somebody calling out another person for basically for hypocrisy. Right. And and I know the I know both people involved in the situation and the person being called out is a sociopath just straight up. And it was it was amusing because the person calling them out didn't realize that that person doesn't actually care about it. There's a completely different thing there. Like it makes them happy when they get called out as a hypocrite. And I just want to throw out here the idea that just because something is valuable to you and it's you know it's like a core thing of i don't want to be a hypocrite i would feel awful if i was called out publicly for being a hypocrite that doesn't necessarily follow that somebody else is going to have the same approach to life in fact they may have a reaction to it that makes the problem worse because now they know you're kind of on your back foot not knowing what to do so just be aware of that i mean this kind of fits in a little bit with the project management thing because most of this stuff if you're digging through a backlog by yourself you tend to project yourself onto the other people involved on your team and they may not have the same incentive structure or the same priorities or anything else. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. And I just thought that was kind of an interesting uh, thing to watch It's also quite a bit of schadenfreude, but that's neither here nor there pretty much wraps it up. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at complete developer com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall
0: by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows
1: and groups by going to completedevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.